Reg Thomas is not a role model. He's a comedian. Some of the things he says could cause a person to get hurt, expelled, arrested, possibly deported. To put it another way, if you're offended by this, don't blame N-Stars. P.S. A Podcast, starring Reg Thomas. Back on deck on my fly shit. Really on, really on my shit. Pay some respect to my mindset. Hair blowing smoke, catch a contact. Hey, how you doing? My name is Reg Thomas. Uh, I'm a comedian, and this is my podcast, P.S. A Podcast. This is a comedy podcast attached to my comedy show, Productively Stoned. Uh, it's a it's a weed-friendly comedy show where we have a 20-minute smoke session at the top of every show. I'm doing this show because it's a way for me to grow, further grow my audience, reach out to more comics that I'd like, you know, introduce them to my audience. And uh, I've been performing and traveling around the country for the last couple of years, and I, there's just a lot of people who like me and I, I've connected with, and I just want to give them some type of content that they can keep up with me with. This podcast... When I first started the idea of a podcast, it wasn't going to be a comedian, a comedy-based podcast. It was more uh, an idea about me as a comedian talking to different people from different walks of life and different career paths and talking to them about their experiences with dealing with passive aggression in the workplace. But after a while, I was just like, man, this shit going to sound too 2020. And uh, like, you know, Friday night, 2020 on ABC. Yeah, that. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to just stick to comedy. I'm going to bring the homies through. We're going to rap. We're going to get our, we're just going to spread ideas and just spread some jokes together, figure out each other's past, see what's going on with each other. And, uh, you know, it's just my way to give back to y'all, the people who fuck with me, my audience, the people who matter. Reg Thomas is an artist, comedian, writer, producer, creative from Brooklyn, New York, a proud native New Yorker. Reg Thomas's goal was from youth was just to figure out a way to make money without having to use his body. Like that's my main my main hustle was always how to how do I use my my mind and my words to make money. And comedy just turned out to be the thing. I thought I'd be a writer. I am a writer, but I thought I'd be like a journalist. At the time I used to write Plex magazine and uh my boss was this dude named Joe and he was a dick, but he was only a dick because he really believed in hard work and good ethic, and I didn't have any of that at the time. And that's why I didn't fit in his world. And uh, comedy, I fit in this world because it's the one thing I've ever worked hard at. I've, I have I could admit to say that I've been lazy at any endeavor I ever took on, but comedy is the one thing that naturally I did whatever I had to do to be good at it, and it's paid me back. So that's me. Uh I like to have a good time. I like to travel. I like to meet new people. I also like to be alone and I could be rude at certain times. I don't really like to, I don't know if I like you, I like you. If I don't, you know, it's whatever. I think that's a very natural human reaction. But I'm constantly, my main thing is I'm, I'm constantly trying to get better. I'm constantly trying to better myself. I'm constantly trying to always have the best possible view on a thing because I always just want to be right. And I, and I, and you know, I, I think everyone should try to always be better. And so, like, that's what part of this podcast is about, too. A part of this podcast is, you know, like, I'm going to bring a lot of comedians who performed on my comedy show, Productively Stoned. You know, they are, they were on my show because I thought their comedy was great. But now we're going to talk a little bit more. We're going to talk about their stories, how they got into comedy, what they're, what they're doing, uh, you know, like, where they're going with it. I think, you know, it's just a great exchange of ideas with me. Like, I'm a guy who, like, if... You, if you my friend, we're going to really break down and really break bread together. So I'm really excited to share these moments with y'all. Aside from that, i just been having a lot of just random thoughts in my mind. And it's like, as a comedian, sometimes it's like, you know, if you can't make the joke perfect or the idea perfect on stage, I don't really like to tell it. But like, this could be a space for me to work out some of those thoughts. And uh, that's what's going to happen in this first episode. 
Uh, we're going to run through some topics that have been playing in my head. And uh, they've been playing in my head because I realized in a lot of different ways I have been adding to the oppression of other people without even trying, without even knowing it. And uh, me as a black man, my, ma my main concern as a black dude, I always want, you know, I just don't want anyone on my neck ever. I don't ever want anyone on my neck. And, you know, in recent months, just, you know, doing self-searching, just learning, talking, new, meeting new people, I realized that I've been, I've had fucked up views. And, uh, you know, it's been a, a journey in the last couple of months of me trying to struggle with these things because it's like, you like to think that you're a good person. I like to think I'm a good person. And then you find out that you got a view that's fucking up someone else's whole thing. And you're like, oh, damn, I'm trash. I didn't know. I'm talking my, is in particular right now, I'm talking about Dave Chappelle's special that dropped a couple of weeks ago. He got a lot, he got a lot of flack from the trans and gay community for what he said. I thought it was always about like, as long as it's funny, it, it worked. And then I had to really understand why certain people can't speak on other people's experiences because you don't relate to those experiences. It was my interpretation of Dave Chappelle's special that like he feels like the plight of the black man or maybe the or black people is just like really just not really cared for. It doesn't really matter as much as like the plight of other oppressed people. That's an idea. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't really, I'm not really here to put the validity to it, but I think that's what he was trying to get at. But what he, but his main, his main issue was like, you know, like the f plight of trans and gay people is so precious in today's ethos. But at the same time, you know, he feels like a, a white or a trans gay person, a white or a trans gay person could on the same time flip and use their whiteness to their advantage as a privilege. And he felt, and he feels like that's like, you know, like finessing the system. These are my interpretations of it. This is what the problem is with his argument. Even if what he's saying is true, he didn't leave it specifically at white, gay, and trans people. He, leave, he left it open. He never once mentioned like gay, uh, uh, black people or gay trans people and like, or like black trans people. Like this conversation is so hard to have sometimes. Like you fumble a lot. That's why it could be frustrating. I, I'm so happy I'm having this podcast because I finally have a space to like really let these thoughts fly. So like, yeah, like black trans people, they die at such a high rate. And like, he never wants to mention that. He never wants to talk about, and like his whole thing is like niggas, like we're in trouble, niggas are in danger. But he doesn't talk about the niggas in that scenario who are in danger. So like, that's where he falls short to me. And then like, it really made, and so like I was having these debates with my friend about why, you know, my friend off rip, he was like, Dave shouldn't even be talking about this shit because Dave isn't a gay man and he's not a trans person. And I was like, but you know, anyone can get a joke. Like, you know, like that's the philosophy of a lot of the comedians. Like, we've all been teased. We've like a lot of comedians like have been tormented into being comedians. Like, I was funny because I was told that I was ugly. So like I had to fucking be funny to fucking have something up. You know, like a lot of people are like that in comedy. So a lot of our philosophies are like, well, if I could take a joke, you should be able to take a joke. And when it comes to these conversations about gay and trans people, what I realized in having these conversations that like straight people, a lot of straight people and me included at the time did not realize the privileges that we have. Like straight people, we create the world. Like we, we like straight people go to war over shit. Straight people go to war over religions and everything like that. You know, like, so when you having, when you tell, when you having these conversations and when you telling a gay dude or a trans person that it's okay to, that you should be able to tell a joke, you should be able to take a joke. That's kind of like 
a white guy coming to me and be like, hey, man, why does it hurt your feelings if I say the word nigga? It's just a word. And I didn't really realize how easily you could be, how easily I could be doing that to someone else. It's a very, you could really, you could easily do it. I wasn't doing it on purpose, but I easily was in that shit. And it's like, the more I kept debating my homeboy about why it's okay to make jokes about gay and trans people, even though I'm not a gay man or a trans person, the more I started to sound like a white man. And I was like, yo, I think I'm bugging. That's my barometer. Like, that's how I know if I'm on the right side of an argument. Like, if I start sounding like a white dude, I'm like, oh, shit, I might be tripping. Like, I started saying shit like, well, what trans people got to do is pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And I was like, oh, wait, hold on, I'm a monster. <laughs> and it's like, and so then, like, I started having these thoughts to myself. I was like, damn, like, I'm not the most emotionally intelligent dude, but I think it took a certain amount of emotional intelligence to even have that understanding when, I, when my boy was really trying to break it down to me. And then I was like, how do we even get to a point where like, I was like, and I'm like, I was like, I feel like a lot of black people are homophobic. And I think I, me, my, my background, my family's from the Caribbean islands. And I know like a lot, there's a lot of homophobia in the Caribbean islands. And I think that stems from like buck breaking from slavery days. See, the thing is like, in a lot of ways, like there have always been gl- there have always been trans black people. There have always been gay black people, and they always like in in and in and in back and in old societies. They I, I guess they had their spaces where they were chilling. I think the real homophobia comes from like there have just been episodes in history where like white people forced homophobia on black people, and, like like was just raping dudes, and like motherfuckers just built a certain hate towards that behavior. It doesn't make it right. That's a trauma. You got to exercise your traumas. You got to work that shit out. You can't just culturally as a whole always decide that we're not going to like these people who partake in this type of behavior or this type of lifestyle because something bad happened to us one time. Like, that's not how, that's that's just not proper growth. And so then I started freestyling to myself. I was like, yo, what are different ways that black people could be less homophobic? Like, yo, black people are so homophobic even when we're not trying to be. Like, even when, like, it, it'll be like, Yo, let me introduce you to my, my, my cousin. My, this is my gay cousin. And it's like, yo, why he couldn't just be your cousin? Or And then, like, this one girl, she said she she would introduce people before they met her gay cousin. She was like, this is my cousin. He's gay. I'll just give you a heads up. And she felt in her way she was doing that to protect her cousin because she didn't want these people. She wanted to protect, pre- prepare these people so that when they met her cousin that they could behave uh, accordingly. But even in that, she's still perpetuating homophobia because it's like, yo, my cousin ain't like us, so be ready for that. And it's like, we just easily, like, it's just so, we easily do that shit. So I started making little declarations to myself on how I'm going to try to be less homophobic. Like, I'm not going to say no homo no more. From now on, I say yes, hetero. Next time I see a dude eat a hot dog, I'm not going to mention the word glizzy. I'm going to just let him eat the hot dog. I'm going to be like, you must have been hungry. Like, it's just certain things that, like, black people we could do to make it easier for our, like, not straight and trans relatives. Like, black people believe in the gay agenda. Like, we got to stop. We got to knock that one out. That's nuts. Black people believe that, like, there's an agenda to keep turning... Black men gay. 
if like I don't know where the idea that you could be turned gay came from, but as a man who admittedly might love women too much, that's just, I, that I I firmly don't believe that that's how sexuality works. I don't think that like if the kids grow up with enough cartoons where a couple characters are gay, that the kids are going to be gay now. I think if anything, the kids that are already gay, when they see cartoon characters that are gay, they're going to be more comfortable being themselves. And that's important because in the black community, I feel like they got a lot of gay niggas who are just not comfortable being gay. Because it, because like when I think about all the wild things happening in my community, like they really be beating and killing trans women. And it's like, you know, a lot of people will say, I bring up arguments like, well, you know, trans women partake in dangerous activities. Like they sell themselves, they be they be their sex workers sometimes. Sometimes they dealing with men who didn't know that they were trans women, which is a whole nother argument that like if I was to get into it, I would start sounding transphobic. But when it comes to stuff like that, it's just like why like what could possibly make you see someone else walking by, minding their business and empower you to go ahead and like, you know how much work it takes to physically beat someone to death? You know how hard it is to beat a nigga to death? I mean, a person to death? I, you know, I must use nigga because I call all black people, men and women nigga. So I'm perfectly in the right there. But yeah, like I was, I was trying to wrap my mind. Like, in, in all honesty, I, like, I, the other thing about it is, like, I've, I've been spending so much time these last couple weeks wrapping my mind around these topics, and I, I felt guilty. I was like, yo, I'm 35. I never gave a fuck about what these niggas was going through. And that, that's another part of the equation. I was like, yo, how do I even get other straight niggas to even give a fuck? Because straight men, straight black dudes, we feel like we're the we're at the bottom of the totem pole. So it was like... And I can't, and like, you know, and, and like this conversation is taking place in generality. Like I'm making a lot of blanket statements here, but like, it's like, yeah, like it's, it's like, how do you convince black men that we have privilege? It's like, like a black guy's like, how could I get someone thrown in jail? Cause I like coochie. It's like, maybe you can't get them thrown in jail, but you can make it uncomfortable for someone. Cause they don't like coochie. Cause the second, I, the second my boy was like, yeah, bro, you don't get it. You got straight privilege. I was like, straight privilege, nigga. I'm broke. <laughs> I don't know why I associated privilege with money, but like, I immediately was like, bro, I don't know what you think's going on in this house, but no. So why should straight black men care about what gay black men and trans black people are going through in general, and les black lesbians too? Not to exclude the ladies. Well, number one, we should care because. In our community, there got a lot of closeted gay black men or bisexual black men who just need a space to feel comfortable being themselves. Like they're living like secret lives that like aren't helping themselves. They live in like just dangerous lives. Like everyone needs to be comfortable being themselves. That's one. Two, as oppressed people, black men specifically, as oppressed people, we have to look out for other oppressed people. We can't add on to another person's oppression. And the best way to let Black men know that it's okay to stop being homophobic is to let them know that uh, we're no longer the bottom. <laughs> That's funny. Though. Hey, thank you for listening to the newest episode of P.S. A Podcast. I've been your host, Reg Thomas. Shout out my producer, Junius Valentine. On the sound, we have Adam Mock, and this has been a NStars.com production. For the latest Hollywood news, make sure you follow NStars.com. E-N-S-T-A-R-Z.com. Uh. Back on deck on my fly shit. Uh, really on, really on my shit. Uh.
take some respect to my mindset. Hey,